Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. This morning uh, we are we are beginning a, a great section of the scripture that many of you have probably gone over before, uh, known as the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount because it's a sermon, and it was on a mount. Uh, it was on a mountain, hence the name. Hence the name. Please stand in honor of God's word, and I'd like to read to you uh, the first eleven verses of chapter five. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are are the merciful, Uh, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the persecuted for, for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God, I ask your blessing on our time. Uh, God, I ask that you would find good soil in our hearts, that you would make it so. God, uh, help us to uh, receive the word. So often we come with bound up hearts, having our own ideas. God, this morning I ask that you work in us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So what do we know uh, about the book of Matthew thus far? Uh, We see that Jesus is the one. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior that is to come. And the prophecies are fulfilled in him. And his lineage points to that place. And then John the Baptist, he comes and he has this message, this new message that says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that word repent you'll be reminded, is a word for change. That God says, and He enters our life, and He doesn't say, hey, you just stay just the way you are. But He says, you need to change. You need to change, because I have a better way. And not just change, but change now. Uh, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right now uh, that you need to be changing. So John the Baptist had that message. Jesus Uh, crowds are being drawn to John the Baptist. Jesus comes out as well. He's baptized by John the Baptist. We see that he is the fulfillment, the the Savior. He's marked. uh, The Father shows that he is his Son, in whom he's well pleased. And then it says that Jesus had a, a message that he began preaching. And you know what it was? Repent. The kingdom of... Repent now. Now's the time. It's the same message that John the Baptist had. He says, repent, you need to change. And then we come to chapter 5. After Jesus has been tested in the wilderness himself, we look at chapter 5, and we see his first sermon, his first message. And this is a message, I want to tell you, I think this is the extended version of the repent message. 
Okay? It's in these sort of ways is where you need to repent. You need to change. Most of us don't like, even as I'm saying the word repent, I see some of you twitching. Like you're going, I don't like to change. I don't like to be told I'm wrong. Um, Yeah, I don't either. uh, Except it's kind of good and gracious when someone says, hey, you're going the wrong way. Why don't you come over here and do what's right? It's best for you. The message of the gospel that Jesus brings is that his repentance, his calling you to something different is good for you. It's good for you. Um, I remember someone telling me it's kind of like hitting your, your head against a brick wall. It feels really good when you stop. It feels really good. And that's what repentance is. You know, it feels really good when you change and you go in the right direction instead of what you've been doing all this time. As we look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, I shared with you earlier, um, that it's named for what went on. He shared a message on the mountain. Um, and this message, if you can think of it like this, Jesus is talking about his kingdom. He's talking about his kingdom. I'm the king and this is my kingdom. And if you can picture it this way, Jesus is bringing them in and he says, let me show you about my kingdom. Let me walk you around. Let me give you a tour of how this is different, is different. Um, and that's the big word as we look at the way life is through our eyes and our culture today and the way it is to live in the world. And then Jesus lays down next to it, this is my kingdom. And you see a stark contrast of what it is. What Jesus is wanting to share with his disciples and those listening is let me tell you about the new life. Let me tell you about this new way of doing things. And this morning, as you've come, I'm under no illusion that as we come here this morning, that some of you have not begun the new life in Jesus Christ. You're into works. You're into trying to be good or to trying to somehow justify yourself that that you're okay apart from really repenting and laying your life before the Savior and saying, do whatever you need to do. This morning, I want to share with you the new life that you can have in Jesus Christ, a different way. Um, And it's a glorious way. And it's, it's very different than the way you've been living. As we look at this, this section this morning, I, I want to tell you that Jesus is sharing his heart. He's saying, let me let you in to what I think. And not just what I think, what I value. This is who I am. And so he lays out before us uh, the way he sees life and the way it needs to be in his eyes. I want to tell you, he turns it upside down to you. He takes the life that we have and he says, uh, no, it's not like that. And he turns it on its head. And, and this morning, some of you, as we go through this, and I'll tell you, I, I'm in the process as well. We're going to fight against this. If we're really going to embrace what the Lord Jesus has said, it's going to mess up the way we've done things for a very long time. Uh, there's a problem with being older or getting older, I would even say. And some of you would say, well, there's a lot of problems with getting older. But one of them is this, is that the older you get, 
the harder it is to change. And the longer, when, when we're confronted with, with the Word of God, the longer we have been living a certain way, uh, the more embarrassing or, or the more difficult it is to exchange that for the way of the Lord Jesus. If you think about it, when you're in first grade, uh, you learn something new and you go, Oh, great! Great! I just learned the wrong way two weeks ago, and now I learned the right way. I'll just change it out and we'll move on. But the older we get, the more difficult it is for us to be confronted that we're wrong and we need to change. This morning, uh, I want to share in the embarrassment with you. I want to share that with you and just say, you know what? I'm confronted with that as well. As I look at this, I go, why is it taking you so long, Bosler? You know, what's the holdup? You know, why have you clung to these worldly ideas Maybe the way I've been raised, the, the families I've, I've come from, and, and the way I've been doing why are you clinging to this instead of exchanging it and repenting and going with the Lord Jesus' gracious way that he is sharing with you? What happens as we're going to go through this is, first of all, because it's so different, we're going to say, that's difficult. That's difficult. I don't know if I can do it. Others of you will go, oh, yeah. Uh, now that I got Jesus' way, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it to the T. I, I, can, I can do this, and I'm going to change my life, and I'm going to do it all right. Um, and then you're going to get frustrated because you don't do it all right. And then you might say, oh, forget it. I'm not trying it at all. Or some of you will say, well, I'm just going to do this section, and then I'm going to brag about I got these five things right. Um, don't worry about that other stuff. But these five things I got. And we're going to struggle with this. And I want to tell you, as we go through this Sermon on the Mount, it is not that we would feel good about ourselves that we have accomplished, but rather that we would say, I need Jesus. I need him. And and this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, walk with me, walk with me, hold my hand, cling to me. For in me, you will have power and blessing and, and the unction to be able to do, apart from me, you're going to fail miserably. And so this morning, as we look at this, we're going to see uh, that Jesus has a better way. Um, I, I'm a type of guy where I like lists. I like lists, especially in article form. If I, if I open up the newspaper or I see a website that has five, five best ways to barbecue, Man, I'm reading that. Five things, you know. Five best places to uh, visit before you die. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm onto that list. Or, or ten uh, best places to retire. I don't know even why. I'm not, I'm not even thinking about retiring. And yet I, I'll read a list. This morning, as we look at this, this is the list of how to be happy. How to be happy. And as I say that, some of you are going, oh, that's so shallow. That's so shallow. It's the Word of God, okay? Uh, the second thing I want to tell you is this, that some of you are drawn into that too, and you're saying, what's the secret? I'm struggling with my own ha- happiness and fulfillment in my life. How do I do this? This morning, as we hear from Jesus, I want to encourage you uh, that this is how this is set up. If you look down at verse 3, 
chapter 5, verse 3, you'll see a beginning pattern that says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. You skip down to the next one. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And it goes on. That word blessed or blessed is the idea of to be fortunate or happy or to be full or to be uh, content and satisfied. And I think about that and I go, yeah, that's what I want. I know we've all done this before. We've looked upon other lives of the people around us and we've looked at them and we go, oh, it just looks so good. I want what they have. I I want to have that kind of life. I envy that sort of life. That's the picture in in Matthew chapter 5 as Jesus is sharing. He's saying, this is the kind of life I want to show you where it's found. I want to show you where this wholeness and happiness and a sense of being blessed by God to be fortunate. I want to show you how to get that. But I want to warn you, it's not what you're thinking. It's not what you're thinking. Um, so we look at verse 3. Uh, we begin in our list, and this is how to have a happy life. I want to tell you, too, before we begin, that all of this is also found in the Old Testament as well. He's building upon, he's summarizing what has already been taught in the Old Testament but he's giving it to them in a list form that they might understand what God has for them. He says this, um, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now let me ask you a question. Is it good or bad to be poor? Don't overthink it. Is it good or or bad to be poor? Thank you. It's bad to be poor. Because poor says that you're needy, right? That you have no resources. What happens uh, if your car breaks down? What happens if your car breaks down? Well, it depends. It depends if you have money or don't have money. If you have money you will get frustrated and you'll go, oh, i got to take it to the mechanic. i got to get it fixed. If it's really bad, you go, oh, I didn't want to do this. Throw that thing away, get a new one. That's if you have money. If you're poor, what happens? You get to walk. That's what happens. You, you, you can't go anyplace. You hope you don't live out in Bear Valley Springs. It's a long hoofing it into town. And, and, and you, if you have no resources, if you ha- are poor, it's not good to be poor. And so when you look upon in any situation poverty, you say that's needy, that's empty, that, that's without resources. Now, I, I want to make a big deal about being poor. What does this say? Poor in what? Poor in spirit. It's not pouring money. Some have left that out as they look at the uh, uh, this list of is the beatitudes. It, that word beatitude comes from uh, the Latin, which means that it was translated uh, blessed or to be happy. This word fortunate, 
But as you look at this list, many people have said, oh, it's good to be poor. You're supposed to be poor. Um, it's poor in spirit. In the spiritual things, in your spiritual resources, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and as we're going through this, and as Jesus must have shared this, and as people have done since then, we go, Jesus, what do you mean? What do you mean? Poverty is not good. And then you say, blessed or happy or fortunate are those who are poor in spirit. I didn't think poverty was good, Jesus. Well, what does it mean? So it means the idea of being spiritually without resources. Spiritually destitute. Spiritually bankrupt. And still you might be saying, I don't get it. Why is that good? Well, um, it describes the person who's realized that they have nothing in this life that they can contribute to receiving the kingdom of heaven. They go, I, I don't have anything. What can a poor man bring to the meal? Nothing. They don't have anything. Um, why is it? We, we've we've seen people like this in life all the time. Have you ever met someone who looked like they were poor but they were rich? You know, the, the millionaire next door. They live in a shack and they, they never come out. And you know, they're eating just scraps. And and you go, oh, they're so poor. And then they pass away, and it's looked upon their house, and they you realize they have millions. It's true of me. I, I just wanted to let the cat out of the bag. Got it buried in a goat pen, you know. Uh, um, don't tell my kids. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, you also see the converse as well. You see people who act like they are rich, and yet you find out that they're not rich. They're, it's just a facade. They're, they're putting on a show. Well, what's, what's going on in verse 3? Is it that we're acting like we're poor, but we're rich? Or are we rich? We have all this and we, what is it? I want to tell you what it is. It's reality. It's reality. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Ask the question right now. Are you poor in spirit? What do you bring to the table? What can you bring for the kingdom of heaven? Nothing. Nothing you have. You're spiritually bankrupt. And you're still, as we're reading this, we're going, so so why is it again that it's good for us to be spiritually bankrupt? Why? Well, Jesus says, why it's good to be spiritually bankrupt, to be poor in spirit. He says this, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They get a place and a, a, a position and entrance into the kingdom of heaven being poor in spirit. Still hard to understand, isn't it? How do you get in? Like, like how does that happen? Jesus is um, describing this to him. He's saying something so shocking scandalous, if you will, right? 
as he's sharing this, as they're taking it in, they're going, what? What's he saying? That doesn't make sense. What were the Pharisees? What was uh, their take on this? Well, how did they think you entered into the kingdom of heaven? How, how do you get place when it is uh, the things of God? How do you get position and opportunity and entrance? It's what you've done. It, it's a complete opposite. It's your spiritual resume. What can you bring to the table? And they say, oh, I've done this. I've made these laws. I'm better than that guy right over there. You know, I'm better than the other Pharisees. I'm a top Pharisee. You know, I've, I've done this longer. And I'm more diligent. And I look my nose down on everybody else. And, and this is what truly gets me into the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, I'll only take spiritual beggars. I'll, I'll only take the ones with nothing. See, Jesus, and, and get this picture, if you will. He presents to them, he says, I want to tell you how you get the kingdom of heaven. Picture yourself entering into a country club. Not like a poor man's country club. Not pointing to any particular place in the world or anything like that. Uh, picture yourself going to, uh, I grew up in Santa Barbara on the, the bad side of the freeway, bad side of the freeway. Um, I always say that cause there's only, there's a freeway. There's not a, really tracks as much. They go along the ocean. So everyone, anyways, um, and, uh, they're very exclusive, uh, country clubs and, you can picture yourself going to these country clubs and say, I love golf. I'm going to go play golf at the country club. I'm going to go to Montecito Country Club. And you roll up there in your Toyota or your Honda or your beat-up old truck that you drive around here and take to the dump and various other places. And you roll up there and you say, hey, I'm here to play golf. And they go, are you a member? No, I just want to play golf. Uh, this is a members only club. Oh, okay. If I can't play golf, I'll just have a bite to eat here. Um, I'm sorry, sir. You're not allowed in here. You're not a member. Well, what do I have to do to become a member? Have a large pile of money <laughs> that you give to us. Oh, I don't have a large pile of money. Uh, then you're not allowed to play here. You're not allowed to eat here. In fact, don't come back here. You're not a member. And, and, and you think about this and you think, uh, okay, I'll just go get the large pile of money. I don't have any spiritual resources. I, I don't have anything. And you get this? This is so beautiful. Verse 3 says this. The poor in spirit, the ones who bring nothing to the party, who are spiritual beggars, he says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. I like how he says kingdom of heaven, too, because he's, and, and there's a struggle in the book of Matthew about this. Is he saying that there's benefits now to living this way? Or is he saying all the benefits come at the end of this life? Kingdom of heaven, that's, that's the end of this life, right? What he's saying here is this that he's talking about eternity. And he says, you can have it all. But being a spiritual beggar, not because of what you have done, but because of the one that is speaking to you, you can have it all. 
This morning, uh, as we consider this, I just want to remind you, this is opposite from the way that most of us think. What about you? What about you? How do you see your entrance into the kingdom of heaven? Do you say, you know, I'm a pretty good person? Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? You say, well, I'm better than the person next to me. Well, that's no comparison. You know, they're wicked, you're wicked. What's the difference? You've sinned over and over again. You've disappointed the Lord. You failed over and over again. Do you want to bring your record or do you want to bring your poverty and trust in Jesus Christ? That's what it is to know him, for him to have paid the price for you. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The second in this list of the way of happiness or the blessed life, blessed are those who mourn, who mourn. Um, wow, that doesn't sound right. That does not sound right. When someone's mourning, happy are those who are mourning. That just doesn't go. Blessed, it's, it's a good day for you. It's a sense of fullness when you can mourn. Fortunate are those who are mourning. It doesn't make sense. And, and we struggle in our heart and say, God, I don't get it. How can it be that mourning is a good thing? Well, um, it's appropriate to mourn. Did you know that? It's appropriate to mourn. Uh, we don't think really that in our culture, maybe at all. When someone's crying, most of the time we say, something's wrong and stop it. Some of you, as we, we begin to talk, I, I don't know why this is. I, I hope it's nothing personal to me. Sometimes as I talk to a lot of you, you start crying. And, and in, my, in my heart, I want to say, ooh, uh, I shouldn't have said that last thing that I said. And you know what you do, most of you? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm crying. I want to tell you something. I want to be real clear here. Don't apologize for crying. Don't apologize for crying. If the Lord gives you tears, cry. Let them out. It is not bad to mourn. In fact, it's appropriate. If, if you have a loss of a loved one, if you have a great loss, if you didn't cry, if you didn't cry, it's not appropriate. If you love that person, tears will come. I think about that and I think, I realize there's some things not worth crying about in this life, but there are many that are. Brokenheartedness. When someone is mourning, they're mourning loss in their life. They're, they're mourning dreams that didn't come together. They're mourning frustrations and confusion in this world. They're hurting. Many times, many times, the appropriate thing is for us to mourn at our own sin. That we, by the choices that we've made, by the things that we have done, we have sinned against God and we've messed up our own lives. There's a brokenheartedness that should come from that. Fortunate or happy for those who mourn. In fact, what, what do we do? Um, if we see something sad, what do we do? 
and look away. Some of us, we would even say this. We would say, I don't go to funerals or memorial services. I go to weddings. Weddings are a party. Uh, Funerals and memorial, it just reminds me of death and I can't do it. Some of you don't like to go to hospitals. You say, I won't go to hospital because people are sick there and sad stuff happens there. So I don't want to go to hospitals. We're looking to stay away. We're looking at sad situations. We pull back. We look at things that remind us of our own sin and we're like, oh, I don't want to think about it anymore. Tell me a joke. Watch a happy movie. I love a good comedy. Make me laugh. Listen to a comedian. I don't want to think about my life. I don't want to think about the reality of it. Fill our life with things that distract us because I don't want to mourn. Somehow bubble wrap us and say, I'm going to insulate myself from any mourning in this life. But Jesus said, fortunate or happy or blessed is the one who mourns. Why? For they shall be comforted. Once again, it's the reality, right? The reality of life will cause you to mourn. But but don't let it stop there. That because you're willing to mourn, to be hurt, guess what? God says, I will be there. I, I will be with that one that is their heart is broken and they are mourning. I will be there. I will be their comfort. Jesus is connecting something so great. He tells them that this life may be filled with the reality of pain and poverty, but what? But I will be there. I will be there. I will be your comfort. The sweetness of relationship of the Father and the Son coming. Uh, The Spirit as well being our comforter. How does the Lord comfort us? Real simple. Holy Spirit comforts us. The Word of God by His truth comforts us. He reminds us that He is there. He's with us. And you know what He does? He sends people. He sends people. This is what it is. He comforts us. He says, I will, you will be hurting. I will be your comfort. It's okay. It's good because I will be the one. That was number two. Number three. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Now, there's another word that rhymes with meek that's not written in there. Weak. Geek could be in there too, but weak is the other word I think some of us hear. When we hear weak or meek, we say, oh, the weak person. Blessed are the weak. That's not what it says. It's kind of similar, but I want to make this big distinction. Meekness is not that you are not powerful. Meekness is that you are not exerting power or force. It's the idea that that in a situation that you are standing down, not standing forward. That you're leaning back instead of leaning in. It, it, it's, the situation is not, I'm flexing my muscle and now I'm going to force this to my will. Um, it's a gentleness. It's a gentleness. Most of us aggressively insist on our own rights. We, we look at a situation of conflict and you say, you have, uh, 
you've started to wrestle with the wrong person because I will break you. I, I will overpower you. We do it in business. We do it at our jobs. We do it in our communities. We uh, do it in po- politics. We do it sometimes in marriage, in parenting. We do it in relationships. We say, I'm going to be aggressive and I'm going to make sure you don't take advantage of me. It's the American way. And yet Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Are the meek. Say, oh, I don't want to be meek. I don't want to be gentle. This is Jesus' way. This is Jesus' way. As he shares this, you look down at verse 5. Blessed are the meek. Why? For they shall inherit the earth. As you look at that, it it points us back to the Old Testament. Inherit the earth. And it reminds us of, of one particular case where God's people were in captivity and they were being oppressed and, and Jesus said, we're going to get you out of there. There's a thing with Pharaoh. Pharaoh chases them out. They're walking in the wilderness. And Jesus says, or the father shares with Moses that he's going to take them to a land. A, a land that they didn't, uh, houses they didn't build, farms they didn't put together, uh, riches. They, they, they're going to have it all. And they didn't do it. It wasn't by the sweat of their brow. It wasn't by their own ingenuity, their best ideas. It wasn't any of that. He was going to give that to them. And he did. And Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They shall be gifted. They shall grant an inheritance. And let me, let me ask you the question. Inheritance, what is an inheritance? Well, it's someone who loves you giving you what you didn't work for. It's not by the might of your own hands. It's not by you being a superhero and somehow bending a situation. We like to think of ourselves as smarter and stronger than everybody else. And Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Why? Because the one who is speaking says, you will inherit by my own doing. I will gift to you that which you did not deserve. It's not fought for through self-effort or asserting ourselves. It's a gift of God. So God calls us to embrace three things this morning. Spiritual poverty. Appropriate mourning. And the last, uh, a gentle meekness brought about in relationship. Let me pray for us and ask God's blessing as we are reminded of his word this week. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the beginning of walking through this great sermon, this message of your son, Jesus. God, help us to see the areas of repentance for us. Help us to understand where we want you, we invite you to reorder our world, our thinking that would come out in our life. God, I ask that your word would go forth, that it would find a home in our hearts, that it would change us. Thank you for your spirit, which is our teacher. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed. And darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice. It trembles at his voice.